One, two, three, four. Hello, Akron. How you doing today? You can't answer me. I'll just assume you're good. The Spoils of Akron, the Spoils of Akron podcast. So, Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Spoils of Akron podcast. My name is Cody Stanley, and I am here with my co-host... Chris Miller. And this is a podcast all about the art, culture, and eccentric residents of the Rubber City. The Rubber City. That's right. And speaking of the Rubber City, um, we've got one of the Rubber City's premier theater group uh, spokespeople here today. (laughs) Are you the director or? I'm the managing director. The managing director. Okay. We have Tess Burglar from Ohio Shakespeare Festival. How are you doing today? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me. This is so cool. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) And um, she's got big news because most of you know and probably recognize Ohio Shakespeare as the outdoor Stan Hewitt uh, uh, performances throughout the summer. But thanks to uh, recent developments, they can perform all year round. So tell us a little bit about that and, and some of what, what's happening now in your uh, new home. Cool. So we, our new home is on the sixth floor of Greystone Hall, uh, right smack in the middle of downtown Akron. And uh, we are at the former stage of the Actors Summit uh, Theater that is uh, the artistic directors retired from and uh, the space was empty uh, or was going to be empty and uh, the whole adventure started one day and then three weeks later it was official. Uh, We weren't looking for an indoor space at all uh, and I just kind of made a phone call kind of in the back room so nobody else (laughs) could hear and said what are you going to do with that space and then all of a sudden uh, we were signing a lease. That's awesome. And you guys had a Kickstarter that you recently wrapped up where yeah. you exceeded your your goal. And um, totally. Yeah. And it's and, and I'm I'm fascinated and I guess pleasantly surprised that people still watch Shakespeare and are still into it because it's probably one of the you know, theater is one of the oldest art forms. And you're using, you know, writing that's hundreds of years old. And, and how do you keep people interested in Shakespeare? And why do you think people still go to Shakespeare and still like to watch it? You know, that's the question that we always ask ourselves and we get asked as well um it's actually 2016 is the 400th legacy of of uh shakespeare he wow. died in uh 1616 and now we're t- 2016 and it's 400 years of this guy's work being loved and and produced in just innumerable ways uh i think the reason that people still like it is it is one of in my opinion and in a lot of opinions it's the best writing in the English language that you can get. Like, it's just the best. Um, And I think that uh, some people are just born into the world with, like, this ability to do something special, Mozart or, you know, other artistic geniuses or scientific geniuses or whatever, and they're just born with this ear or this ability or this knowledge that the rest of us don't have. And so I think Shakespeare just had this ear for language and also this ability to understand human experience on a profound level, Uh, like all these different kinds of people that he wasn't, but I don't know if he just was an incredible empath or whatever, but he knows human experience. And and he coined a lot of words that we still use today. So he basically set the tone of culture for some time. I mean, 400 years and counting. 
I love that you say coined, too, because a lot of people say, like, oh, Shakespeare invented this word. And that's, he probably didn't invent a ton of words, but you're totally right that he made them what they are today in terms of the way we use them and the phrases that we have. Oh, you, I bet you we all say a Shakespeare saying or coined phrase or something like that once a day, many times a week at least. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and one of the great things I think about uh, Shakespeare is it's much different experience reading it than seeing it performed, than, than having it be brought to life, you know? Right here on the little <laughs> program I brought, in case I needed to remember anything, it says don't <laughs> read Shakespeare, see Shakespeare live. So uh, Will didn't even write down, actually, I, I'll stop myself there. I call him Will She sometimes. calls him Will. I, She's I, so I, familiar I was like, with this word. She's like, yeah, Will and I. We write these like... Um, way back. <laughs> exactly. We write these production guides that are, I hate to call them study guides because it makes them sound boring. They're actually way more interesting than like a study guide. Mm-hmm. But anyway, when I write them, I will sometimes call him the Bard or Shakespeare, but every once so often I call him Will just so I don't <laughs> just keep saying Shakespeare over and over. And somebody wrote on Facebook and said... I think it's interesting that you call him Will, almost <laughs> as if he's is your buddy. And I said, well, he may not feel the same way about me, but I've worked with him for 15 years, so I feel like we're close friends. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought. No, it's okay. You were, you were talking about how don't read it, yeah, watch okay, it. And these you. are sort of like study guides, but in a more fun way. So the don't read Shakespeare quality of it, uh, he didn't even write down his own work. His friends did that after he died. Uh, he would write the scripts potentially from what we do know about him. He would write them so quickly and they wouldn't even be compiled altogether. Each actor would just have their lines and their cue. So you wouldn't have one big script where everybody could follow along. Hmm. Uh, he didn't put them all together at all. And his friends after he died said, this is important work. We need to put this in the, uh, a book. And that's what we have the first folio. And, and that is what is, that's why we have Shakespeare today. So even he didn't want you to read it. He didn't write it down so that he could torture high school students 400 years from his death. He wanted you to see it. Um, and I always tell my students when they're saying like, oh, I don't understand it, or it's not interesting or whatever. If you took your favorite movie or your favorite TV show, especially if it's a comedy, and you sat down with the screenplay and read it, you'd hate it, right? It's not meant to be read that way. And same with Shakespeare. It's so much more accessible and understandable and totally entertaining when you watch it because it's not a book. We shouldn't study it like a book. Now, I will say after you've experienced it live and you see the story and you maybe fall in love with it, going back to the text later and delving into it is totally worthwhile. But simply reading Shakespeare as your way to experience Shakespeare, don't do it. That, yeah, that's a good lesson because I never really had much luck reading it when I was younger. And I, it just, you know, seeing it perform those, it was brought up something completely different than, than what I, you know, got from, from reading it. So absolutely. Totally. And we, one of the things I love when people come to see our performances is they'll say, ooh, who modernized the work for you, the words for you? Or, or like, what interpretation did you use? I was like, nope, you were understanding Shakespeare. <laughs> like, you wow. just got it. Yeah, and so you guys don't do any cutesy modern twists or reimagining. It's you, you, you keep, it, keep it real with, with, it, with the bard. <laughs> we do, and it's not that we don't think that there's not a place for that ever. It's just not what we want to do. Um, for one thing there's sort of a vogue in Shakespeare that to do it just in Elizabethan garb and the way that it is on the page is almost like, well, everybody's done that, so I have to bring something new to it. I have to put it in a different decade or put a put it in the Matrix world, or I don't right. know, I'm just thinking <laughs> of random things. But, uh, but 
that has actually become so popular that I find it is actually really hard to just see Shakespeare in a traditional sort of way. And uh, one of the terms that we use is original practice. Back when the Globe in London was first getting reopened, they were saying they, they made it out of the same kind of wood from the same forest and things like that that they thought that Shakespeare's Globe might have been uh, made from. But they were saying, this is authentic Shakespeare. We're going to do authentic Shakespeare. And somebody finally went, I'm sorry, you can't call it authentic Shakespeare because we don't actually know that much about him. There wasn't that much written down. No stage managers, they didn't even have that back then, were writing down, this is how we put on a show and this is what it looked like. Uh, Mm -hmm. We just kept like diary entries and random sketches from patrons and things like that. So they had to sort of re-say, okay, you're right, it's not authentic. We don't know if it's authentic. We'll call it original practice. And then it sort of spanned this whole artistic movement in the Shakespeare world where you do something because you think there's a reason to believe that Shakespeare's company might have done it. So, for example, we look at the audience when we talk, uh, when, when we're on stage. When you're alone on stage and you have a soliloquy, like a to be or not to be kind of moment, we don't just look up into the heavens and think our thoughts out loud because that makes you sound crazy and <laughs> and a little bit passive. You yeah. know, you're just like, oh, let me tell you all my thoughts, dear diary. But when you look at somebody and you share that secret with the audience, all of a sudden you're a really active character and you're just giving more information to your best friends out there. It's this community experience where you're actually sharing something with somebody and and progressing the story forward rather than just sitting down and going let me think all my thoughts out loud which of course is not very natural thing to do so you'll find as an actor when you finally get to look out at the audience instead of try to justify saying all these things to an empty room all of a sudden these really hard speeches become way they make way more sense um so in that capacity we do that original practice uh we as you were saying we don't put implied themes or what i call kind of gimmicks on it uh, we just do the story the way it is on the page because a lot of the, one part of our mission is that we think that the actors, the audience, and the script are really all you need for theater. Like that's the quintessential stuff that you need. And there's you know all these other things you can add to it that are incredible and make it more magical. But it's the actors and directors' job to tell the story, not to tell a new story at least in my opinion. Um, So we want people to experience something sort of pure in that way and and pick a script that we just want to present with the story that's on the page rather than here's my version of this story. It's I'm not the playwright. If I'm the playwright, then I can tell my version of the story. Uh, So we do things in that sort of straightforward manner. Has that always been uh, the mission of Ohio Shakespeare? When did you guys begin? So in 2001 is when we really started to, um, our, our first season was, what must that, that have been, 2001. Uh, we, I remember sitting in a friend's living room and we were coming up with all the different random things we could name our theater and we came down on a finally Ohio Shakespeare Festival and that was our goal, was to not only just do that sort of straightforward, art can be good just because it's good art kind of thing but also we wanted to do and this is another original practice thing actually a sort of actor manager model of theater a lot of the time when you start to put in uh, administration and infrastructure and boards and things like that we do have a board but Mm -hmm. uh, when you start to get all of these non-artistic elements running a theater all of a sudden that's what takes over and the art becomes backseat if you're lucky maybe it's even in the trunk Mm -hmm. Uh, so we wanted all of the major players running the theater to also be 
artists and actors. So you'll today I I was cleaning the theater and running some of the marketing stuff, and uh, my husband is over there uh, building the set, and so is our fight director. He's helping build the set as well, and then of course he's the fight director. All of us are in the show. Some of us direct to um, make the leather armor, things mm-hmm. like that. So everybody wears a ton of hats. But the thing is, you also you find that people get so invested in the work that way. Yeah. Um, it's something that they have real ownership over rather than, hey, I'm just up here to say my lines and take my bow. It's a, it's a community. It's a company. That's that's very cool. Now uh, you mentioned you have a fight director, mm-hmm. and um, I uh, direct at Norton High School, and cool. my students actually went to a fight last Monday. Awesome! And they really enjoyed it. They had a great time. Um, when did you start offering those sort of classes, and how did that sort of be something that you know rubber, or that the um, Ohio Shakespeare Festival started doing? Your students came to the very first fight night. Oh, um, really? Yeah, okay. totally. It was the very first one and the very first event we had at Greystone Hall that was open to the public. Um, so I went to Ryan, our fight director, Ryan Zarecki, and I said, do you want to teach some fight classes? You know, those are always the most popular ones to sell because it just sounds cool. Like, mm-hmm. you just say, come oh, and yeah. learn how to use a sword. And you're like, absolutely, I want to. Um, and so he uh, he was throwing some stuff around and he said you know when I lived in Chicago there was a theater and of course I can't remember which one it is now um, (laughs) that would offer just a a fight workshop every month or so and you could drop in drop out and uh, it was totally affordable and it was a cool way just to sharpen your skills and it helped it was a cool thing for non-actors to do but it was also something that made the whole community a theater community safer because Mm -hmm. a lot I mean actors even if they don't have to swing a sword they do have to punch or fall appropriately and not hurt themselves and things like that so he wanted to make that happen he said I could do this monthly thing uh, and I'll just pick a theme for each month and I went that's genius and so it's only 15 bucks 10 bucks if you're a student every Mm -hmm. second Monday of the month and he picks a different theme so your students came to Mary Sword Play which was in honor of Robin Hood which opens this weekend Mm -hmm. and then uh, next next month he's doing what he's calling Slapsgiving which apparently (laughs) is and how I met your mother reference that I don't know it is yes (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh it's a unarmed combat falls punches things like that and so he'll just kind of run the gamut and as, as so that that's a really cool idea. I mean, I, I I'll so be smart. directing Robin Hood in the spring, so I might have no to way. kind of revisit that with uh, my cast then because we have to do a lot of sword fighting. But that's totally. um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your season this year? Because you're you're starting awesome. with Robin Hood, right? Yes, uh, that Robin Hood we just did actually this summer, but for only four performances, one weekend only, and it sold out. And we had people going, wait, I didn't get my ticket. And and it's unusual for us to only do one thing, but uh, uh, one weekend rather Mm -hmm. of a show. Uh, But it was brand new kind of programming. So we thought we would just test the waters. And then, of course, it was awesome. So Robin Hood and Adventure with Music is part of what we're calling family theater. Um, And I never would try to say it's as good as this, but uh-huh. it reminds me of Princess Bride in terms <laughs> of like everyone in your family can watch it, the youngest person uh-huh. and the oldest person and everyone in between and think okay. it's charming, you know? <laughs> uh, and and it has that sort of sense of joy and playfulness right. as well. The extra cool thing about it too is that um, our artistic director wrote the script actually like a decade ago and he's been kind of sitting on it saying like, wouldn't it be nice one day to do it? And then finally the stars aligned. And one of our company members wrote the original music and lyrics. 
and all of the actors are Ohio-based. So this is like brand new, all Ohio, Akronite art on that stage. And it is joyful to like the millionth degree there and the <laughs> fights are just so cool and uh and the, and the music's beautiful and it and you just feel like you're in sherwood forest it's it's joyful it's 90 minutes of forget about election season and, and enjoy the world kind of <laughs> wow that's very cool fun. shout out to holly custer and yeah. dean kutras who are in that awesome people they um, are so good at it too i was <laughs> telling them to yesterday them. i hope i can make it out please do um now you said that's your family theater event right mm-hmm. so what type of other theater uh you know shows do you do so right after that we're doing um the uh, complete works of William Shakespeare abridged, and that is 90 minutes, uh, I think it's like 97 minutes, whatever, um, <laughs> of all of his plays put into this totally ridiculous sort of farcical abridged version of all of them. So it's almost like a variety show kind of thing. If you know the Reduced Shakespeare Company, they have a huge following. Um, they're the people who wrote it, and they also did Complete History of America abridged and a bunch of other stuff too. Uh, but especially with our Green Show Company, which is a a singing, dancing, um, parody group kind of pre-show entertainment that we do at Stan Hewitt, it made a lot of sense for us to finally do this sort of goofy Shakespeare thing. Um, so we'll have that in December. Um, makes, uh, we're really excited about it, and that one is actually already selling really well, so we know our audiences wanted to see that. <laughs> and then after that, we're going to do, um, we're going to finally open it up to one of the things we really like about this new space is that we don't have to just do Shakespeare anymore. And so we're calling it, we'll do classics and modern classics. Oh. And so... We're doing uh, a small rep, meaning like two plays going on at once. So you come Friday night and see one play and Saturday night and see the other. And uh, that'll be with Lone Star, which is this charming uh, post-Vietnam guy in Texas in the back of a bar, hanging out with his brother, getting drunk. Uh, And uh, they have a little family drama out there, and it's all quite poignant and uh and the the two gentlemen ryan zarecki and Derek winger who did it who are going to do it are just so adorable in it um Mm -hmm. uh so we'll have lone star as sort of our most modern thing that we'll ever have put on our ohio shakespeare festival stage and then um in rep with that will be what's called the upstart crow and it's a new ish play uh by a friend of my father's and uh it's all about shakespeare's daughter and his best friend burbage and they Mm -hmm. meet at the globe and sort of chat up a storm about Shakespeare. I'm really excited to do those two sort of newer things. And then after that, um, we wanted to show any new audiences at uh, Greystone Hall, people who aren't familiar with us over at Stan Hewitt, sort of what our Shakespeare looks like, because that's a lot of what our identity is about. Mm -hmm. So um, in the future, we don't know that we'd bring a lot of Shakespeare to the Greystone stage, but we wanted to make sure we got one up there right away to sort of say, here's our stamp. Uh And so we'll do comedy of errors. Hilarious. Doesn't, (laughs) Doesn't get funnier than that. Then back at Stan Hewitt, um, outdoors for the summer, we'll have As You Like It and Winter's Tale. And then all the way back to, um, all the way forward, rather, to next October uh, in 2017, we'll have The Three Musketeers, which is family theater again. Oh, okay. So, so you're, you're keeping a lot of the Shakespeare to the Stan Hewitt stage as much as possible. And this is just yeah. a, a kind of an additional venue to keep you guys even busier than you already are year round. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I was just going to say that now we can use the Greystone Hall stage to do other classics, Moliere, uh, Marlowe, O'Neill, Shaw, and also things like Lone Star, where it's totally new or modern, and it's just 
the thing we look for is just a good story, honestly. I think people want a more detailed or sophisticated answer than that. Mm-hmm. We want to tell a good story. Okay. Now, does Grace? so does Greystone give you the opportunity to do stuff more, like, year-round? Like, yeah. what's your, so what is, what was your, like, original season at, at uh, Stan Hewitt that you could do? July, August. Okay, so that was all you could do. So mm-hmm. now this definitely opens up it for you. All year. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, it's my little kid dream come true quite literally i would sit in the backstage with lara mulcarrick and we'd go wouldn't it be nice if we could do this all year long we didn't have to say goodbye every summer and then i see myself sometimes i'm out of my body and i'm floating down i'm like wow that's what it would look like if you had that thing and then i'm like wait i'm here it's really happening that's awesome awesome. yeah that's great um do this are, are are there the same actors throughout all these different uh performances or we have what we call an informal company so it's not that we have this company and we have to cast all the shows from them but our audiences do come back every year and see faces that are familiar to them sometimes it can get really cool because they actually see some of our company members grow up Uh so you'll be third musician from the left one summer and then five years later you're playing Juliet or something and the audience loves that they can kind of track that um, but we also have new people in the company all the time so uh, do you like hold auditions or mm-hmm. okay so we used to hold them in like in March-ish uh, for the summer uh, shows and now we have to figure out what we're going to do because we still need to do that for the summer shows but we also need to hold a bigger season audition so we have to figure out the timing of those Right, and then you know that's um, so you don't cast for each original show; you cast per season, really. Yeah, a lot of um, a lot of theaters in the area will try to do that at least. Okay. Um, and the thing is, when a lot of other theaters are doing it, it means that you kind of start needing to, even if you didn't before, because people will say, "Oh, I'm booked for the spring eight months in advance because they audition for somebody's season." Oh, that's so interesting. I know. I, I'm not really, I'm not really familiar with that aspect of it. So that's that's kind of different for me to hear. So how long has like the um, year-long audition, I guess, process? How long has that been something that you've been in? doing we've been doing the auditions for the full summer Mm -hmm. in march uh oh gosh at least five years oh okay Um, but when you're doing those two shows so close to one another it just makes sense to cast the same people in both yeah i guess now that you say that since it's only since it was only that that makes sense so do you think that's something you'll continue doing now that you're going to be having a full season well we're going to have to do it for this summer for sure Mm -hmm. because we haven't cast the next summer Yet, right. Um, even though we've uh, filled a lot of the major roles for the Grey So season this uh, so far this year, we'll still need a few here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will not have had any casting done for As You Like It and Winter's Tale, and then whatever the whole next season is. So we'll have to figure that out. <laughs> so uh, you, you've been in theater your whole life, basically, right? You kind of grew up in this world, and and what what drew you into it initially? When I was five years old, I was the the littlest fairy, that's what it was called in the program, uh, in A Midsummer Night's Dream uh, with Pennsylvania Shakespeare Festival. And um, it it, it made a lot of sense to be in the world because that's the world my parents are in. My parents are also the artistic directors at Ohio Shakespeare Festival. And um, they have been doing theater as their full-time work for my entire life and way before that too uh so it was a natural world to sort of step into uh and then I just did a show after that and a show after that and a show after that and it um 
it always kind of felt like, well, of course this is where I am. And I had this moment in high school where I was like, no, I don't need to do theater. Like there's this whole world open to me. And so I didn't do shows for maybe like two or three years. And then I auditioned for my school's one acts. And I was like, this is so much fun. Why would I have stopped? So I, that's when I realized, oh yeah, this isn't just what I'm, I'm doing just because my parents do it too. I'm doing it for me. Sure. Typical teenage rebellion. Yes. Yeah. I, I it play was mu- really mild. I was like, I, oh, I'm going to like ride horses instead. Sure. <laughs> I, I play music and I try to get my daughter to play music and she doesn't want to as much as other things. So. Well, you're not cool. I, I, well, of course not. <laughs> Maybe when she turns 17, she'll say, no. Yeah. Hopefully. Now. Yeah. I have some instruments ready, ready to go, <laughs> you know? Um, so, so what else do you do? Is this your only gig or? Finally, yes. Uh, finally, this is my only gig. I used to um, teach Montessori uh, middle school language arts full, full time for the past several years. And then before that, I was, you know, a server and picked up odd jobs here and there and things like that. Sort of any artist has that sort of piece together life where here's my main focus mm-hmm. and here's how I pay the bills. Uh, but finally, Ohio Shakespeare Festival is now my full time work and uh, it's obviously way more than full time I'm there cleaning and organizing and putting up things and everybody's working really really hard but I'd, I'm thrilled to finally be able to say I wanted that with all of my heart for so long it feels crazy that I'm telling you that that's what I do uh-huh. full time well that's awesome great that's good for you I mean that's yeah, obviously congrats. that's a dream that I have one day so yeah. I, you know. I, and I do not make any like mm-hmm. I totally know how lucky I am oh yeah definitely yeah. Um, so you mentioned uh, you started in Pennsylvania Shakespeare Company. So is that where you grew up? Um, for like three years I was oh, there. Okay. Um, I was actually born in Richmond, Virginia. And then uh, my dad was the artistic director of, of Theater Virginia down there. And then he got a job uh, at what was then um, Allentown College. It's now DeSalle's, right? DeSalle's, DeSalle's, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And he started the Pennsylvania Shakespeare Festival there. Um, and that was only three years. And then we, he um, got a gig at Kent State, actually artistic directing for Porthouse as oh, well. Okay. And that's what brought us here. And so I really call Ohio home. I, <laughs> I moved here when I was about eight, but mm-hmm. it, it feels I don't really have a connection to those other places in any kind of real deep capacity. Very cool. So Akron is your, you know, your home. And yeah. So whenever uh, Ohio Shakespeare Festival was started, was there any doubt that it would be in Akron or was it always an Akron thing for you guys? Well, it was always Akron because uh, one of the things when we were saying we want this to be focused on the art, we don't want it to be focused on infrastructure and all the like nitty gritty stuff that can kind of take you away from the art when Mm -hmm. you run a theater. One of the problems is having a brick and mortar building to maintain if you're the land, if you own it yourself, that all of a sudden becomes your focus maybe even more than the shows. So outdoor Shakespeare is also a, a very popular thing to do with American Shakespeare is do it outdoors like Shakespeare in the park and uh, and so we knew that Stan Hewitt had a history of doing Shakespeare there even back to like John Lithgow and his dad um, and uh, and even the cyberlings really loved Shakespeare and would put on Shakespearean balls and things and they didn't have a Shakespeare company there at that like moment in time and we went um can we do a play <laughs> and then 15 years later here we are that's excellent yeah and and you've really b- built this up into something special, you know. People, 
I, so. I hear often hear people talk about Stan Hewitt and Shakespeare at Stan Hewitt, and that's one of the things that kind of goes hand in hand with that. Awesome. Um, now, another thing that really spoke to me when, when I was on your site, I saw you have a Shakespeare yeah. event coming up. <laughs> really? <laughs> a reading, yeah. It's, it's a reading with with a bartender in, in a bar, and it seems, I don't know, that seems kind of cool. We've never done it before. There's a lot of companies, especially in New York, that do this drunk Shakespeare thing where mm-hmm. the actors will drink right along with the audience. Um, uh, like, if you've ever seen those drunk history videos, mm-hmm. yes. uh, in that realm at least i don't know if we'll get quite that silly who knows though we've never done it before so i kind of saw that this was really popular in other places and then i looked at that giant gorgeous new bar at our home at graystone yeah it's stunning (laughs) and i thought well now we get to do drunk shakespeare and so uh shakespeare was of course the obvious title for Mm -hmm. it and so it's going to be just uh, the actors full cast but the actors are reading the script it's not like a production but they're drinking right along with you you can put a tip uh, a, a buck in the tip jar and they'll take a sip whoever's your favorite character so uh, it's I, we think it's going to be sillier and sillier throughout the night and I actually I got really nervous asking my actors would you like to do this because we had thrown so much on them so quickly like do Robin Hood again do this will you be in that and all of this and I sent out an email saying would you guys be interested in this if we added this as well and one of my friends wrote back there is no way I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Reading Twelfth Night and getting drunk in, for <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> sure, it, it sounds like fun. It's still performed in a way too. Mm-hmm. And, oh, totally. And, and much like when you go see a comedian, and and yes. the the the, op, the you know the bar kind of helps kind of warm up the audience a little bit for that. So I'm sure it'll be an entertaining experience. And I saw also that that everyone's taking Ubers home, so, <laughs> so there'll, there'll be no drinking and driving that night. So we're and very much for the spectators yeah. as well. Very, very much not wanting to play around with that. For one thing, we need those actors later. They're right. important. <laughs> yes, it's precious cargo. Um, so, so what else do you do when you're not uh, running a theater company or helping to run a theater company? Oh, man, um, I'll have to think back several weeks to when I actually did those things <laughs> because it feels like it's been only OSF for, for weeks and weeks and weeks now. Um, I read a ton. I love reading. Um, my husband, Joe, and I love TV shows, and we actually get caught up in the ones that we really like and watch them over and over and uh, don't necessarily uh, watch the new stuff as much, but we will spend tons of time nerding out over our favorite <laughs> TV shows and our favorite books. Uh I run. I love running, uh, and I, that's actually sort of a new development in my life. But I got a husky, and somebody had to wear him out, and so he kind of taught me how to run. And uh, and so now we go on jogs a lot, and uh, and I box too. Oh bit. wow! Really? It, really? Yeah, not like. I think everybody thinks when I say that that I'm like actually sparring with somebody. I don't think I ever could because I'd like punch them and go, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Are you okay?" <laughs> um, but uh, it's with a bag, like a cardio class. But it is with the you know heavyweight gloves and things like that. And I feel like Buffy the Vampire Slayer when I'm there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that sounds like fun. And I have a, an Alaskan husky. So and I oh, grew. Yeah. I I've had huskies for many years. They're um, nuts, and they're, right? they're great. Yeah, but they are they're very difficult dogs to care for. They're they're very um, strong willed and and they're not the easiest dogs to train and they, they run <laughs> no. off and they, they're stubborn, but they're they're so affectionate though. They're great animals, I think. They are so affectionate, um, so interesting and intelligent. Like there's a right. real personality there. But when I first got my husky who I named D'Artagnan, by the way, um, <laughs> he uh, 
I thought I had had German Shepherds growing up my whole life, German Shepherds forever. And I thought, oh, it's like a wintertime German Shepherd, right? It'll be right. the exact same sort of thing. And I'd tell him to come and he'd look at me and be like, no. <laughs> yeah, you, you come here. Uh, yeah. And, and so it took a good six months of me figuring out, it's like, what are you doing? Be a dog. And finally I was like, oh, Huskies are, are crazy, yeah, but they're, they're awesome. They're different, right? And they're... Um, they verbalize a lot too. He sings. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he doesn't bark. He and there's no question what he's thinking. Like right. if he's frustrated with you, he's going to make that perfectly clear. And if he's happy, makes that clear. But there's there's no guesswork. <laughs> it's the only dog that will argue with you. Oh yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh yeah. They will argue with you. It's really interesting. And when you find yourself going like, I don't care, D'Artagnan, uh, and you're like, <laughs> okay, maybe I need to step back here. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we would so, totally want to thank you for coming on today and talking about uh, Ohio Shakespeare so Festival. Um, we're going to start plugging some Akron events coming up. If you want to um, start by going over, you know, again, when your shows are coming up so that our audience can leave with that, that'd be awesome. Awesome. Would you like me to do just the ones coming right up or just go Whatever through Whatever you want to do. Well, I'll definitely <laughs> start it off with Robin Hood that opens October 21st, which it's Wednesday today or Monday today, and that opens this Friday and goes through October 30th. Um, then uh, we have our Shakespeare reading that we were talking about on November 5th. We have um, complete works of William Shakespeare abridged on, uh, in December the 15th through the 18th. Then after that, we have that rep we were talking about with Lone Star and Upstart Crow in February the 10th through the 19th. Comedy of Errors will be in April 14th through the 30th. Summer out at Stan Hewitt Outdoor Shakespeare will be As You Like It in the Winter's Tale from June 30th to August 13th. And then back at Greystone next fall 2017 for the Three Musketeers in September, October. Um, And then one other special thing that we're doing is our New Year's Eve Green Show Gala. We're having a uh, dancing on the stage DJ uh, and, and a very special Best of the Green Show show that we'll be performing on the uh, uh, on the stage, and then midnight song and toast and and pop up scenes throughout the night, and so we're really excited about that one too. That sounds like a lot of fun. Thanks. All right, um, you go ahead because I'll, I literally I'll go ahead. Cody's still looking for things here. <laughs> um, this Thursday at eight, at six p.m. Stories of Kenmore, which is a uh, neighborhood storytelling event at the Rialto Theater. I will be sharing a story about my um, my political career as high school class president yeah. and how that's kind of followed me <laughs> into life here. Also on the 20th, um, Industrial Valley, The Devil's Milk Part 3 uh, previews, um, and that is with the um, Center for Applied Theater and Active Culture, New World Performance Lab, um, Jim Sloviak. It's a great trilogy about Akron's r- rubber history. Um, the Kaya, um, sorry, Cascade Locks Park Association Locktoberfest is October 21st from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. And that's on West North Street in an area that's really being built up nicely. Um, the Cascade Locks area, there's the lofts um, and, and the uh, muscle store. Um, also on the 21st, Tales from the Witch's Cauldron on the 21st and 22nd at Sage Rock at 15 Broad Street, and that's uh, Wandering Aesthetics, and it's their storytelling event uh, with Kyle Josa and Nikki, Nikki Romo. Um, and next week is uh, the October 26th is our Full Circle Storytelling, Volume 2, with the Acronist and Wandering Aesthetics, and that's October 26th, uh, Wednesday at 7 p.m., at Jilly's, and that the theme is Ghosts of the Past. 
and I'm going to reach a little farther for another plug here, uh, personal plug, I guess, the upcoming uh, Pecha Kucha uh, Volume 5 at the Bit Factory, November 4th at 7 p.m. Um, uh, I will be presenting at that as well. Really? So, yeah. I'm, I'm frantically putting Very my cool. thing together, my presentation. It's about the refugees and immigrants because I've done a lot of stories through the Akronist on Nor- in North Hill and on our refugee and immigrant oh. population. Um, and, and actually, there's another event. October 28th is the 13th annual Halloween Charity Ball at Tangiers, um, Friday, October 28th. That starts at 8 p.m. And that is an awesome event. I mean, it's just packed and all, all kinds of grown-ups dressing up you know, in costume. And cool. it's, uh, you know, and each year... Um, they they pick a couple charities to actually uh, for all the proceeds. Oh. Um, so this year the charities are Akron Snow Angels and Young Black Professionals Coalition. Cool. So, Very cool. All right, on to you, Cody. Um, I am gonna have to reach into November for my events because oh, I don't geez. have anything coming up recently. But uh, the beginning of November, so uh, November fourth, it's a Friday. Copper Pennies is playing at uh, the Blue Rock Cafe uh, again, and from eight to eleven. Uh, also that weekend is the Akron Comic Con 2016, which is going to be at the John S. Knight Center this year. So check that out. Uh, that's on Facebook. And also that weekend, uh, I'm going to plug this because I'm directing uh, the green show for this, which we adapted from Shakespeare, actually, um, uh, to it's called Game of Tiaras. And it's a mix of Disney princesses and Game of Thrones <laughs> at Norton High School, uh, the, November uh, 3rd, 4th and 5th. Uh, and that is starts at 7 p.m. each night. So that would be cool if you came out. I'll be there. I don't know if that is any, uh, you know, help in getting you there. But <laughs> Cody will be there. I will be there. So um, all his glory. I think that's all I have. Do you guys have anything else? Yeah, actually, I have two more oh, things. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I we sometimes I think we go on too long in this part of the yeah, podcast, but. On October 29th, there's a poetry reading at Sweet Mary's Bakery at 6.30 p.m. October 29th. And also on October 30th is a it's something called the Zombie Run at Wood Hollow Metro Park in Hudson. Um, October 30th, and it says it's a free group run. So I don't know if people are going to be dressing up like zombies mm. for that. But I don't know. Sounds like a lot of fun. Maybe real zombies. Yeah, maybe real zombies. Let's hope. That would make it interesting. Yeah, that, that would probably be the only thing to get me to run. <laughs> would it be? I mean, it would be effective. It, whenever I, I would like to be a runner because I think it would be great to be in that kind of shape. But yeah. whenever I run, all I can think about is not running. Yeah, me That's too. Like, Do you know what changed it for about. me was podcasts. Oh, honestly. really? Okay. That could be it. We should try that, Chris. Okay. Maybe. Probably not, but maybe. <laughs> I, I'm going to make a podcast just saying, keep running. Come yeah. on, you can do it. Run, run. Don't stop. Take deep breaths. Oh It'll be gosh. like the runner's podcast. It'll just be all these words of encouragement. Yes. And you can do it. You're number one. You're special. Great. I'd love to see that, too. <laughs> okay, thanks, Cody. Well, all right. Well, next week, we'll try it out. Okay. <laughs> well, well th- thanks so much for being on yeah, today. Thank you. Thank you. And, and where, awesome. where can people find out more about you? OhioShakespeare.com. OhioShakespeare.com. Right. And you also have a Facebook, Twitter, Totally. Um, okay, excellent. Ohio Shakespeare? Ooh, oh, OST. at Ohio Shakes for Twitter and for Facebook. I've never memorized it. Okay. But you just type in Ohio Shakespeare Festival mm-hmm. in the uh, search bar, and there we are. Perfect. All okay, right. thank Sounds you so great. much. Well, thank you again for being on. Thank you for telling us all about uh, your upcoming events for Ohio Shakespeare and all the cool things you're doing. And congratulations Thanks. on Greystone Hall. It's so awesome. Uh, thank you, listeners, for listening to the, I don't even know what number we're on, but it's the- 71. 71. That's a lot of podcasts that we've done. So 71. Uh, thank you uh, to Musica and our spot, or, and our you know people that we work in. What's it called? 
working conjunction, conjunction I guess. Yeah, with Tandem. music, uh, <laughs> the Akron is partnership. That was the partnership. word. Uh, Urban Eats, uh, Akron Library. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, keep it in an Akron, Akron day. day. And happy belated birthday, Liz. Happy late birthday, Liz. <laughs> <laughs>